Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. Um, before I go into my message today, I, oh, I don't have a copy of my book. I wrote a book. Y'all, it's called Dear Pastor's Wife, and even though the title might make it, see, Mrs. So whipped out a copy from her bag, amen, all right, uh, even though the title might make it seem like it's just for pastor's wives, you know, it's for anyone can enjoy this book, of course, as a pastor's wife, as somebody who has a pastor's wife in your life, and a pastor's wife's husband. Hello. <laughs> and anyone who just wants a good gist. There's lots of gist. From 22 years of experience in this book. Yes, I have been married to my dear husband um, for 22 years. March the 27th of this year. Amen. Yeah, I feel the same way too. Where did 22 years go like that? But I'm thankful to God that it's not like, ah, it feels like 50 years. Oh, my God, time is moving so slowly. So I'm grateful to God for that. Well, the title of our, the theme for the meetings we are having. So, yes, I wrote the book, and I want you to buy it. Amen. (laughs) To be available after service. So um, purchase a copy. And I want to give you um, 411. You may want to start from the epilogue. Read the epilogue. It will ginger you for the rest of the book. There's a really nice story back there. And I think, um, you know, get you stirred up for the rest of the book. Okay. So I'm going to ask for something this afternoon, this morning, that um, can I preach without the music, if you will? Um, Because the music kind of makes me feel serious. And sometimes I like to share stories, tell jokes, and be spiritual, but at the same time, you know. So, but when the music is going, like, ah, you can't tell a joke in this solemn atmosphere. Even my spirit is like, don't go there, just be serious. So. <laughs> anyway, um, we are talking about we are supernatural. And um, I had the first meeting in Lekki. And I'm pretty much going to share along the same lines um, this afternoon. Um, We are supernatural. And under that umbrella topic, there's a whole lot of things we could talk about, about being supernatural. I want to talk about wearing the anointing well. Um, In the book of Acts chapter 10 verse 38, the Bible says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. I want to paraphrase it this way. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about being supernatural. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 18 reads, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts. 
which dwells in Zion. Let's bow down our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for another opportunity to be in your word, to sit under your word, to speak your word, and to open our hearts to what you will drop in there. Father, I pray that as I speak, you anoint my lips. As your people hear, you anoint both their natural and the spiritual ears to hear. And thank you because of what you are going to do in our lives as a result of this word, what you will begin to do, continue to do, and complete in our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. We are supernatural. The reason why we're supernatural, for many reasons, we're supernatural for many reasons. I'm supernatural for different reasons. I'll talk about three reasons why I am supernatural. Number one, I'm supernatural because I am of the spirit. John 3, 6 says, let's, let's go to John chapter 3, verse 6. It says, he that's of the flesh is flesh. He that's of the spirit is spirit. And that was Jesus talking to Nicodemus before, you know, in that same conversation where he went into that um, popular scripture in John 3.16. But here it says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Jesus makes a distinction between the two, being born of the flesh and being born of a spirit. When you got saved, you were born of the flesh. Everyone that I'm sorry, when you were born, you were born of the flesh. Everyone born is born of the flesh. Then subsequent to that, the day you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you became born of the Spirit. Your spirit came alive. And just like Jesus lets us know here, there's the born of the flesh and born of the Spirit. They are two different beings, two distinct beings. It's, it's, it's so practical in your experience. You were a natural being, and then you were born of the Spirit, and you became supernatural. Amen. Amen. Something happened. I mean, it was, it was a supernatural thing that happened, something above the natural. Because nothing changed in the physical. You didn't change in that sense, you know. You didn't get darker, you didn't get shorter, you didn't get taller. So what happened was not natural, but even more than that, it was above the natural you became a supernatural being. You became a new being. The whole operation was supernatural. It transcends the human mind. It's not something that the human mind can even fathom till date. But all of a sudden, the dead space on your inside became filled with life, the very life of God. So you are supernatural because you're a new creation. You are born of the supernatural, right? Your birth was in that supernatural. Number two, you are supernatural because you are anointed. Now, the first um, scripture we read, Acts 10, 38, says, Our God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And as I said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about being supernatural. He was anointed and he went about being supernatural. And then Isaiah 8.18 lets us know that he wasn't the only one meant to be anointed to be supernatural. I and the children that you have given me 
are for signs and wonders or are for the supernatural. In fact, Isaiah chapter 61, one says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to them that are bound. In, in Acts 10, 38, we see that Jesus being anointed to do acts beyond the natural, to be beyond the natural, was for certain reasons and certain purposes. And we see it summarized there. said he went about um, doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Okay, so the supernatural is not just for our benefit. It is for our benefit, but not just for our benefit. It's for your benefit because it means that you are not locked into this world. You are not boxed in. The limitations of the natural don't have to keep you limited. When the natural says, we've come to an end, you can say, I have an extension. <laughs> Amen. When they say, oh, you know, doctor, the doctor brings a report and says that there's nothing we can do, you know, you don't have to stop there. You can say, but there's some more that I can do. After all, by stripes I am healed, you know. When you don't seem to have options in the natural, you go to the word and create options for yourself. So... Um, we are, Isaiah 61, so, I'm sorry, let me dial back a little bit. So, the supernatural benefits you, but it doesn't stop with you. It's not meant to stop with you. You know, after all, the supernatural did not stop with the personal benefit to Jesus. He said he went about doing good for himself. No, for others. There was an anointing on him to do good. Uh, you know, we could go about our lives doing good in the natural. There are good things people do that they are lauded for. You know, we praise them. You know, they are um, philanthropists. They give away. They are this, they are that. But there's such an anointing to do good. Because there's a way you can do good and drive people further from God. You meet all their needs. Oh, you are hungry? I'll feed you. You are thirsty, I'll give you water. You need, you are sick, I'll send you to the best hospital. What else do you need? Oh, what else? Oh, I got that too. Why? Because I'm God in your life. So I'm doing good, and the more I do good, I am driving them away from God. But the good that we'll do as a result of the anointing is something that drives people to God as the ultimate source. So Jesus went about doing good, but he wasn't just doing random good. He was doing good as anointed of God in the lives of people. And Bible says that he also was anointed to heal those oppressed of the devil. You know, there's physical healing, there's spiritual healing, there's mental healing, there's emotional healing. And there's an anointing upon our lives to bring healing to the lives of people. In fact, as anointed people, we shouldn't run away from problems. We shouldn't run away from difficult situations. We shouldn't feel when someone comes to share. And you know, the reason why we run away is because someone comes to share a big problem. And you look at your strength. Ah, I don't have power for this, so 
and then you leave them in their problems, right? But there's an anointing on our lives to be courage that causes us to be courageous enough to stand in the places that God will help have us stand, to stand in the lives that where God will have us stand, not because we have solutions in and of ourselves, but because we are not. If anointed people don't solve the problem of oppression in people's lives, who will? So I said, I'm anointed. It was anointed. Jesus was anointed to heal those who are oppressed of the devil. There are some people in our families that need us to stir up that anointing so that we can be of bigger help and greater help to them. We should, just, we should stop giving just natural, um, you know, words. Let me just encourage you a little. Let me just, you know, yeah, buy two loaves of bread. Let me buy with a sardine, a can of sardine, feed you for another day. I'm not saying that's not good, but we have an anointing on our lives. You know, some of us here can pray for people and see solutions in their lives. We're anointed just like Jesus was anointed. And we are supernatural just like Jesus was and is supernatural. And that supernatural is not just for our lives. Then finally, the Bible says, for God was with him. The supernatural lets people know that God is with you, and God is alive, and God is relevant in the affairs of our days. Amen. God knows 21st century. He knows 2021. You know, we didn't leave God way back there. Like, God is not trying to catch up. He's not an archaic being who doesn't understand our lingo. God is ever relevant, and the supernatural helps, shows people that God is with you, and God is alive, and God is relevant in our day and age. He's relevant in different spaces. Some of us may be in entertainment. God is relevant there. Some of us may be in business. Some of us may be um, in medicine. We may be in engineering. We may be in branding, in marketing. Amen. And definitely, in ministry, we need to let people see that God is alive. And that's, I may chuckle at that, but it's important. There are places where, yeah, we call on his name, but we act like he's not alive. (laughs) So we are supernatural so that God, people will know that God is with us. And he's alive and he's relevant. Just like with Jesus in Acts 10, 38, he says that for God was with him. So why the supernatural? To do good, to heal the oppressed of the devil, and demonstrate that God is with us. And we are supernatural because we are anointed, we are a new creation, we are anointed, and then we have governing principles from the word that work and give us an advantage in life. We walk the supernatural by walking the word. I mean, we could know, you could know I'm anointed, I'm a born-again Christian, but when the robber meets the road, if we don't walk the word, we're not putting the supernatural into operation. Because really, the supernatural is actually God respecting his word. So wherever God's word is being demonstrated, God respects it by bringing results. Whenever we show that 
I don't respect this situation more than I respect God's word. And I'm going to take God's word and superimpose it in this situation. I'm going to take my time out to study out for myself what God's word says. God respects, and I'm going to put those words in my mouth and speak the word, speak the word at the situation, speak the word back to God, speak the word to strengthen my heart and quieten my soul. God respects that. When he respects it, he shows up and demonstrates himself. And then we say we are supernatural. Amen. <laughs> Whereas my colleague failed when they, they, they failed, they quit, they gave up when the boss said no. Whereas my, um, the people I roll with, the minute that the president announced something, they decided that, yeah, that's it. Whereas other people in my situation, once the natural boss and authority figure said something, that was it for them. But I looked at the authority figure, I looked at the situation, I looked at the doctor's report and I said, no, I respect something more than this. That's what it means to be supernatural. To say that I respect what God has said more than what the natural is saying. And therefore, I'm going to use the principles in that word to enforce what it's saying. So we're supernatural because we have governing principles from the word that work and give us an advantage in life. But out of all these um, reasons, you see, I am anointed because I'm a new creation. I am supernatural because I'm a new creation. I'm a supernatural because I'm anointed. I am supernatural because I have governing principles from the word that work and give me an advantage in life. Out of all these three things, I want to focus on I am supernatural because I am anointed. And I said at the beginning that I'm not just talking about being anointed, but I'm talking about wearing the anointing well. We are anointed and it is so important to wear that anointing well so that we have lasting impact. Impact that outlives and outlasts us. In the Bible, we are told of two people who were anointed for the very same office at different times, but they were anointed for the same purpose and the same office. One of them kind of faded away. He started well, but he faded away. The second one, as, the second one has an impact that has been so profound that we continue to talk about him until today. And I'm talking about no two people, but King Saul, and King David. Whereas Saul was the first on the scene, was the first to be anointed, was the first of his kind, we see that it was the second person that was anointed that actually had impact that outlasted and outlived him. In the Bible, the name of David is mentioned about 1,100 times. You know, we see him in the Old Testament. We see him in the Psalms, in the Proverbs, in Ecclesiastes. We see him in the Prophets. We see him in the New Testament. We see him in the Gospels. We see him all the way to the book of Revelations. What a lasting impact. We see him uh, referenced as a person. And we see him used to describe other things. Even Jesus was called the son of David. 
We had things about the throne of David. We had things about the root of David, the seed of David, the key of David. In Revelation chapter 22, we read about the offspring of David. So what was it about this man that caused him to not just be anointed? Because Saul was anointed as well. Saul was anointed. He was the first person to be anointed as king. But who goes, even if you name your child Saul, you are probably not referencing that Saul. How many times do we preach a message and we are speaking about Saul? Maybe the first part of his life, but we're really like, be like Saul, be like Saul. <laughs> How many times? But was he not anointed? He was anointed. Anointed for the same thing. David was anointed as king. So he was anointed, anointed for the same thing as David was. It tells me that there's a God part. It's God's responsibility to supply the anointing. God does that part. You don't. Amen. So if you are not called to be a pastor, you can't anoint yourself to be a pastor. Amen. You can't. <laughs> you know when God was sending Samuel to Jesse's house to anoint David as king, he said he should go to Jesse's household for he has provided himself for himself a king. Okay? So he told David to go and anoint the person he had provided for himself as something. Not something David provided himself to be. Eh? Because sometimes we want to provide for ourselves something for God. I God, this is what I like. Ah, I like the way Pastor Shola just comes. In that sharp suit. You know, and it's just like, and the Holy Spirit is just moving and the word is just going. I like it. So I want to provide for myself. <laughs> no? Oh, I like the way the choir just sings. Ah, man, I want to provide. No, he said, I have provided for myself. See, God knows what he needs in you for your generation. <laughs> uh, I was preaching this. I think I preached it last week as well. I'm preaching it in Akureda. You know, it's, I can, uh, you know, Nigerian parents, right? We are the same all over the world. <laughs> Nigerian parents, when they have a child, they, have, they provide for themselves something. Like the medicine I couldn't do. I've provided for myself the doctor of the family. <laughs> True story. There was somebody I knew some years back. And the person kept trying to get into medical school. Kept trying and it wasn't working. And at some point the, the, the mother said, no, you are the one that will break the course in this family. Uh, what Nobody in this family has ever been a medical doctor. You are the one. I'm like, hey, so there's an, a course called family with no medical doctor. <laughs> Some people can't be what God has provided himself in them because of what their parents have provided for themselves in them. Amen. That's, it's a big issue. It's a big issue because as parents, I think one of the hardest areas to consecrate is the lives of our kids. The minute you had that child, you had a vision. <laughs> it takes God work to align that vision with his vision. 
<laughs> anyway, let's leave it there. Um, but God said, I have provided for myself a king, and he sent Samuel to go and anoint this boy, which at that point was a boy, called David. Saul was anointed in the same way. So what am I saying? I'm saying that the anointing part is God's responsibility. It's not our responsibility. So the anointing is like that common denominator, if you will, because, but although God anoints in varying degrees, depending on his assignment for your life, that's why we need to recognize anointings and honor anointings. Because the anointing you can't honor will not be able to flow into your life maximally like it should. At the beginning of this year, God put a word on my heart that this year, people will need to recognize their people that they are anointed for and the people who are anointed for them. He was telling me personally that because I will have, I have so much for you to do this year, and you cannot get it done in your natural ability, you will need to understand and recognize the people that are anointed for you and the people that you are anointed for. Without recognizing the people that are anointed for you will stress yourself, and you may not even be able to do everything you are supposed to do, because there are people with graces that are meant to aid your life. So it's very important. The, the anointings for us are supposed to help us to help give supernatural enablement to make things easier in many respects. And then he said that you need to know the people you are anointed for. The people you are anointed for keep your anointing relevant. For example, if I'm anointed to raise the next Bill Gates, and I don't have anybody with Bill Gates potential around me, that anointing will go to waste. So why did God say this? God said this because he said we need to pay attention to relationships. The devil is constantly trying to break away relationships because maybe I should do a, a demonstration here. Let, let me do a quick demonstration. Can I invite three gentlemen? Three gentlemen. One more gent. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, you can. Okay, come, come, come. Come up. All right. So let's hold hands. Yeah, let's be one big loving family. Okay. So, let's say you are our test case. There's someone anointed for you. And there's somebody you are anointed for. So, if this relationship here is broken, you are here struggling. You are trying to point to this Gentleman, right? You are trying to do all the things you are supposed to do. It's just hard to get things done that you want to get done. And maybe even there was a time when this person was in your life, it was easier. Now it's suddenly harder. What did the devil have to do? He just had to bring offense between these two people. And they thought it was just about relationship, but they didn't realize it was about the flow of grace and anointing. All right. So, you have a mentee. He brought your tea. It wasn't hot enough. 
you know. He did it again. And then the way he, he uh, what, he just was supposed to, whatever your mentee was supposed to do, didn't do it quite well, right? Or if he went and spoke about something, because when you have a mentee, right, they get close to you, they observe certain things, they get access to things that other people don't have. He went and was talking about you. Of course, as a natural human being, it's like, no, go. Okay, first one goes, second one, they're just like, it's like all those, all these people, they're just, why are they all the same way? Then all of a sudden, you are feeling like a man of faith and power. Like the power is all boiling on the inside of you. God, but no opportunity to minister to anyone. Because the people that are supposed to keep your anointing relevant are no longer part of your life. You see? So you are full of it, but no way to dissipate it. So what the devil had to do to keep that anointing from being relevant is break that relationship. And once again, we thought it was just about relationship, but it was actually about the flow of the anointing because the anointing is supposed to keep flowing. Amen. Please put your hands together for them. So what does that inform us? That we need to be more, more careful about relationships. Amen. And I'm supposed to be talking about we are supernatural here today. We have to be more careful. Somebody didn't quite oh, give them grace. You know, because it's not just for the person, you know, we may be paying more attention to people who are anointed for us because we know we, I need that. I need, you know, when I came into this country to launch the book, before Saturday, I, I launched my book on August 28th. Before Saturday, I went to see three mothers of faith in the land to sow into their lives. And even before I came into the country, I had people do research for me. What's their shoe size? What do they like? What do they like? There's no way. One of them, she couldn't imagine. How did you get my shoe size? I said, I have my sources. But all that research was all part of the honor. You see? Like, I'm coming to, I'm here coming. I'm going to dedicate a book for pastor's wives, you know? Ordinary me. I need some graces on my life to get things done. I just went like, yes, I just came to honor you. I just came to, you know, recognize the grace of God on your life. I saw this seed. I saw that seed. You know, so many times we are conscious of that grace where our anointings and graces are flowing from, which we should. But sometimes we are careless about this other part too. You know, we are careless about the relationships that should remain in our lives so that those anointings can get keep being relevant. And God showed me this. He said that's why see, there are supposed to be kingdom Bill Gates. There are supposed to be kingdom Elon Musk. There are supposed to be kingdom leaders. But this relationship and anointing place, because you know, when the anointing started raising you to a certain point, you were enjoying it. And then all of a sudden, it became easier to get offended. Whereas that anointing raised you, but it's not supposed to stop there. It's supposed to keep raising you until the point where people actually really see that, wow, this is one that God not only carries the anointing, but carries it well. But we stop it. We abort the process and we go, we begin to look at it like, well, 
Hey, God could have used anybody. In fact, God didn't need to use anybody. Me, I am spiritual enough. I could have prayed it out. That's why we are not seeing big results. Because it's, it takes maturity to keep those relationships intact. It takes seeing the devil behind every offense. Ah, devil. Ah, no, not today, devil. You know? And then from the side of the person who carries the anointing that's supposed to flow, you know, somebody that, you know, you're anointed for does something. Maybe it looks rude. Maybe it looks disrespectful. And we cut them off. Or even God begins to raise people and does things in their lives. He hasn't done in our lives. And we get insecure. That's a big one too. Because we need to recognize as people are being raised that it takes a certain projectile to get to certain levels. They may miss it a bit. You know, there's somebody I've mentored him for many years in Chicago. And I mentored him from, he's not a member of our church, but I've mentored because there was a time God told me to be a mother over his destiny in ministry, but it's not church ministry, a different kind of ministry. So I don't, we don't see so often, but once in a year, I may just go with just, I'll just say, come and see me. And once in, I say, come and see me, he knows God has dropped a word in my heart for him. So we had not talked for a while, but I could see that it was coming to greater levels and things like that. And the Lord said that, I felt the Lord telling me that I needed to give a word into it. I said, he doesn't need me, that when he was struggling, he needed me. Well, he doesn't need me, he's doing well. And God said, people who are not doing well need the anointing. People who are doing well need the anointing. So it's very important, like, no matter what the trajectory of your life is, it's important that we keep certain relationships so that certain anointings can continue to flow. Otherwise, we'll just be breaking, breaking, breaking. And we never optimize what God wants to do. Have I spoken to somebody today? All right, let's continue our message. Um, I'm not even sure how much time I have left. Okay, please, if you can just send me a... Uh, there's no counter up there, so if you can just let me know how much time I have so that I can keep to time. So there was the anointed David and anointed Saul, but there were differences between them. And the difference, the God did his part of anointing both. But then David did his part of carrying that anointing well. When we go to the book of Psalm 131, we'll see some of the things that made David stand out. In Psalm 131, Psalm 131, verse 1 to 3. Let's look at it in the New King James. He said, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Let's go to verse 2. Okay. 
Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a wind child with his mother, like a wind child is my soul within me. Verse 3 says, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. This is such a precious psalm because it gives us a glimpse into the kind of person David was. You can observe people from the outside and admire certain things about them. You can see certain things and say, wow, you know, I love their track record. I love their consistency. I love the fact that even though they missed it here and there, you know, they aren't perfect, but they always find a way to get up and keep moving, right? Because David wasn't perfect, though. Amen. This is what we are saying. He outlasted, he outlived it. David was not perfect. David wasn't perfect. In fact, God said his hands were so bloody, he couldn't build the temple, number one. Number two, he went and carried Uriah's wife. And we know how that went down. David was at home on the balcony in a, in a season when kings went to war. And his idol eyes found themselves fixated on a young woman who was another man's wife. And he didn't, David didn't say, ah, my eyes are not evil, my eyes and run downstairs. No, he kept looking until he said, oh, go call her for me, you know. And we know what happened. And on top of that, David tried to do um, damage control by himself. He went and got that girl's, that lady's um, husband murdered, you know. And then they had a son that, or a child that came out of that act and the child died. You know when David tried this another side, <laughs> so many. Other, you know when David tried to do damage control himself. See how he messed it up more. But one thing about David was that he had the kind of heart that God could eventually reroute. Mm -hmm. So God told, said that David was a man after his own heart, not a perfect man, but a man that could be brought back to a place where God could help him. See David's damage control. What was his damage control? Call Raya from, you know the way we are smart. We know we've missed it all. We know we've done wrong. We know we've sinned. And we try to fix it. Uh, mm. Okay, call Uriah. You know. Said, Uriah, go to your wife. Go to your wife. Uriah was so faithful. Said no. Slept at the gates of the palace. Ah. Yeah, and this guy didn't fall for it. Oh, my. Okay. Call Job. Um, Job, you know, send Uriah to the thickest place where the battle is fiercest and then pull back from him, you know. And he thought he was being smart. He tried his own damage control. See where it led him. Led him to become a murderer. Led him to the child died. You know, and finally God sent a prophet to him and he saw his sin by the prophet putting it in a different context. So it pricked his heart. Now God now did his own damage control for David. What did he do? He gave him a son called Solomon. The son that ended up being the wisest and the richest man, richest king. You know, that was when God stepped in, when David allowed God to step in. 
So David wasn't perfect. In fact, some of us can look at David's track record and be like, ah, no, at least I can never. <laughs> but there were certain things about his heart that God got God to respect him and caused him to be a man that carried the anointing in such a way that the impact lasted. All right. So Psalm 131, I'll run through this. It says that, God, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. And we see it in his, uh, in his life. You know, what does it mean to be haughty? To be haughty means to be arrogant. So my heart is not lifted up. It means to be proud. My heart is not lifted up in arrogance or pride. And my eyes are not looking to matters that are beyond me. My eyes are not lofty. In other words, what David was trying to say is that I kept a humble heart. Now, it's one thing for someone to boast of their humility. But when they start to boast, you start to be suspicious. like, you know. But it's another thing for God to confirm it by allowing it to be included in his word. So God agrees mm -hmm, that David's heart was not lofty or was not haughty, or his eyes lofty. We see it in his life. We see the fact that even though he was the anointed king, he was still playing the harp to help soothe Saul, the dethroned king. Even though people did not know then that Saul had been dethroned as king, but David knew he had been anointed to replace Saul's, Saul, but yet he humbled himself to still be of service to him, because David saw him as the anointed of the Lord. How many of us can do that? Let's say maybe you work in a company and um, you work under a manager and the MD of that company had come to you and said, you are the next person for that role. You signed, it, signed it in such a way that you know it can never change. It can never change. You know it's sealed. You just are just waiting for the time. And this your boss. Hmm? It's a boss that gets angry anyhow, you know, throws things at you. In this case, not just things, spare at you. You know that there's no question about it. This guy's trying to kill me. And then when the boss comes in the morning, he says, come and sing. You know, whenever you sing, it just calms my nerves. <laughs> and you will go. Amen. <laughs> It takes a great deal of humility. It takes a great deal of humility. And apparently, God respects things like that. Because as human beings, when God raises us a little bit or promises us something, the tendency is for us to get carried away. You know? You've already seen yourself on that throne. You see the, the crown on your head. You know, you see how you are going to be commanding people all over the palace. It's so difficult to bring you back to, like, but this is where God has you for now. You know? To now say, okay, this, that's where I'm going. I see signs. I see, you know, things handwriting on the wall. The current person is just horrible for the job. I'm the best fit for it. God has said it's going to be me. And to now rewind and live present-day reality. It's difficult for human beings. So it must have taken, David taking stock. You take stock. What state is my heart in? 
okay, bring it down, bring it down, bring it down. When I'm talking about your heart, I know that our spirit is saved. I know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But there's this place inside of us that people don't see. Where we can become lifted in such a way that we are blinded. We are blinded in such a way that we stop walking with God anymore, taking steps with him. Because we have fast forwarded, we have gone. Just because God, the last time Dr. K came here, he prophesied so much on your head. You know, it was like that service was for you. You tumbled over, it was so clear you were anointed that day and you are going to be great. After that meeting, rewind. Um, David was called into the, um, Jesus' living room and anointed in front of all his brethren, all his brothers, people who despised him, and anointed. And Samuel prophesied. You know what he did? He went back to taking care of those few sheep, right. waiting for God's timing. Right. He killed a bear, he killed a lion, nobody knew. Yeah, that was something David did right that Joseph missed. You know, God was showing Joseph, you are going to do this, you are going to do that, you know. And Joseph saw the stars bowing down, everything bowing down. And the boy went to open his mouth. Oh, you know what I saw in the vision tonight? Uh, in this, you know, when I slept, you know, everything was just bowing, 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 bowing. Hey, we are bowing. <laughs> Next thing he knew, he found himself in a pit, you know? So that was something David did right. He knew how to see and then rewind and then leave it out. Because many times that's how life happens. When God is speaking, it's like tomorrow. When God is showing you the nation, it's like yeah, two, two days' time. You to be boiling. And it's great to be excited, to, to, to receive that vision with joy and excitement. But we need to learn to now rewind and say today is what? The, four, the 5th of September, 2021. Okay, I'm going home to make dinner for that family. Amen. Amen. What you saw, you are no longer making dinner there in that dream. You have like three people making dinner for you. <laughs> in fact, you can taste the dinner, eh? Your mom. <laughs> but it now takes your heart not being haughty to dial back and then do the needful today. David was like that. Amen. I want you to go ahead and study out. I'm going to go ahead and end here. I'm going to, is that my time? Is it? Okay, all right. So, David was like that, and there are other things there in that passage of scripture that I want you to go and study out for yourself. You know, bring out the dictionary if you need to. Look at what it means for eyes to be lofty. Look at it in other translations of the Bible. And then look at, after that it talks about not concerning myself with great matters. The message translation says, I don't, I don't bother, let me, let me read it. I don't, I haven't meddled where I have no business. That's another big one. I mind my business. I'm not in any, everybody's business. There's a part of this that's important. 
I don't jump to conclusions because I hear a tidbit of phrase and then fill in the blanks. We do that a lot. You heard a phrase, you saw an action, you are like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, they are walking, and Mr. Smith is holding Mrs. Smith, and then Mrs. Smith snatches away her hand. That's story. All you saw was Mrs. Smith went like this. Maybe a mosquito beat me, you don't know. Ah, it's like that, that family that looks perfect, <laughs> let me tell you. There's something going on in their family. Things that are none of our business. The thing is that as human beings, we fill in the blanks. We do. We go on social media, see a picture, we fill it. We fill in the blanks with details. And many times those details are destructive, not constructive. We meddle in affairs that don't concern us. Let me leave you with this practice. When your mind, your mind will try it, will always want to fill in the details. Try to stop, take note of that, and fill it with constructive details. Or tell yourself, it is none of my business. When I preached in Lekki, I talked about some of the detrimental, some of the side effects of being developed in that. How that can affect us, affect our ability to make lasting impact, and even affect relationships that are supposed to benefit us in the future. We have to be careful about how we fill in all these details. Social media provides us with lots of opportunities to fill in details. And you know what it does? It affects our hearts. No, go listen to Lecky, <laughs> the new Lecky message. We talk about why having an uncluttered heart is very important. How it helps you to stay sensitive to God and that, how that is so crucial to your ability to walk in the supernatural. To be able to pick things up. People in the natural are not picking it up, but you can pick it up. You can pick it up. You see a flash. You see a nudge. But you are sensitive to it because your heart is not cluttered. But when our hearts are cluttered with all these things, the Holy Spirit is nudging, but there are so many. There's so much in there. So much before you feel it. You know, he has to set aside the grudge you have with A, the malice you have with B, the fact that you think C doesn't love you anymore. The fact that you think um, D despises you. The fact, by the time it finishes, the moment has passed. The opportunity gone. Come on, let's rise up to our feet, everyone. Glory be to Jesus. Now we can have the music, please. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and pray. Go ahead and pray, go ahead and pray. If you can pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit. If you can't, go ahead and pray your understanding and talk to God about something you picked up from this message today. Enke mandra do shevala di akuraba zekte kere di shite livre o jipra do savala di akuraba zente redushta eke mandra do shevra do shavala di akuraba zekte kere redushta enke mandra bazople di akurade akuvala di akuraba jipra do shteva ike mandra do shtevala di akuraba zekte kere gedogodo livre o jipra hasople koyokoto. Efre has shipra has so cloke yokotoro du shite garagada. Lefre dosh teredoshe kelekia kurababa zekte keremusoktem. 
Hallelujah. We're going to take one song and then I'll drop the mic. I just feel God saying that, uh, you know, uh, there's this song, You Are All That Matters. I feel God saying that we need to lay aside all other things and see that he's the only one that matters. At the end of the day, it's his opinion that matters, it's what he sees about you, sees in the secret place that matters. And to set everything else aside, all the grudges, all the people, maybe you've been misunderstood, all of that, set it aside. Amen. Let the one who re rewards the consecration of the heart. Let him see your heart consecration to him. And physical, natural things will work themselves out after that. Let's go ahead and take that song. I'll put you in front. In front of my melody, you are all that matters. You are all that matters. I'll make room for two, you and I, Jesus. You are all that matters. You are all that matters. I'll put you in front, in front of my melody. You are all that matters. You are all that matters. I'll make room for two here. You and I, Jesus, you are all that matters.
and it's the prayer of the sounds of David. And David will say, search me, O God, and know my ways. If there's any evil way in me, turn me life everlasting. For just three minutes this morning, can everyone just bow your heads and just shut your eyes and just speak to the Lord. Search me, O God, and know my ways. Search me, O God. Search me, O God. Everyone, let's do that. This is a powerful message, a message on consecration. Search me, O God. Search me, O God. Search me, O God. Search me, O God. Wow, what a word. Search me, O God. Search me, O God. I just want to give you one more minute, everyone. Please make sure you are praying this prayer. If you're in the gallery as well, please join in this prayer. I know sometimes when it's time to pray for breakthrough and finances everywhere, it's so loud. But such a powerful word like this, sometimes everyone just thinks that it is not so important. Search me, O oh God. I'll give you 30 seconds more. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. You know, I think that I was saying this um, earlier today at the Lekki Church. Um, it was so powerful, powerful message. By the way, let's celebrate the Lord this morning. It's such a word. And if you can, let's celebrate Pastor May. Come on, everyone, let's celebrate Pastor May. One more time, please. I, I was saying this in Lakey Church this morning, that this year I have heard many messages, like I'm telling you, I, I can't even count the number of messages I've heard this year, but I can say this, this is arguably the most powerful message I've heard this year. I'm telling you, this is arguably the most powerful, I've heard messages from every speaker, I don't listen to everybody, by the way. I have a short, short diet. And that's another problem. Don't let's go into that one this morning because this service were just listening. Just, but I can say that this is the most powerful message. I, I want to ask every one of us to do this. If you're here in the gallery, wherever it is you're watching online, you cannot get the complete dose of this message just by listening to it once. Uh -huh. Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God um, the message was so powerful and I want you to combine it with the new Lekki's message go listen to that one first right that is the introduction this is chapter one there's going to be chapter two 
Pastor May, I want to put you on the spot of Pastor May. <laughs> we, we have what we call the feasts every year in the news, like a world conference towards the end of the year in December. November, December. Pastor May, we'll pay your tickets. You're coming for the first <laughs> So I, I'm sure somewhere Dr. K is watching. So, sir, it's gone. <laughs> Uh, let me say this. I'll, I'll tell you something. There, there, there are some messages you have to hear at least once in a month. At least once in a month. It keeps your heart. Because sometimes when we, when some of the teachings, this let's do, do, do. Sometimes just everybody just wants to do it and become by force. If I have to break protocols, if I have to wound somebody... And at the end of the day, we say, God did it. But at the end, really and truly, it wasn't God did it. That manipulative gimmicks, just... Search me, O God, and know my ways. And let me say this here. If you don't even pray that prayer, you can think you are the saints. May God not give you... No, not God. May the devil not give you opportunity that will make you compromise. Because it will come. Of several, it will come. It will come. And don't trust yourself too much, thinking it cannot happen to me. Me. Not me. Lie, lie. Okay. Okay. Some of you are saying, God, just bless me one billion. If you see one billion, you will collapse. Number one. No, no, no. And number two, you will abuse your father. Hey, the father that gave us, uh, um, oh, sorry, your father can go. Say, um, you. No, uh, you. You see all those, your father, brothers and sisters, and say, what's wrong with you? But search me, O oh God, and know my ways. If there's any evil way in me, turn me in life everlasting. Thank you, Jesus. For you are glorious and worthy to be praised. You're the Lamb. Can I ask Pastor Dutton, please come back? Two. 
prayer. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, 17. That the eyes of our understanding may be enlightened. That you may grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of our understanding may be enlightened. What a powerful, anointed word in season. Before Pastor Shola said it, I already turned. I said, please, I need that message. I need the one in Lekki because I need to go home and, you know, and meditate and, and milk the word and meditate because, you see, the Bible says, in Isaiah 54, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch forth the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you are about to break forth on the right and on the left. So you see, the breaking forth is not the problem. But it says you strengthen your stakes. You put your house in order. You put your house in order. And your house is your heart. Your house is your heart. The Bible says, men look on the outward appearance, but he sees the heart. And you see, promotion does not come from anywhere but from the Lord. And so sometimes, you see, we're doing everything and doing everything. And, you know, everybody thinks you should be, you should be, you should be. And God says, no, I've rejected him. And I found myself a man of humility, a man whose heart is bowed down. And sometimes we don't even know. So just one minute, I want to pray. Based, leveraging on the word that has been, the powerful word that has been shared today. Lift up your hands wherever you are. Oh, Holy Spirit. The catalyst of our destinies. Lord, you know every one of us. Lord, you know what's in our hearts that we don't even know. The Bible says you... You upgrade the humble but resist the proud. And sometimes you don't even know why things are not happening the way they need to. I pray in the name of Jesus. By your anointing for the spirit of wisdom. Open the eyes of our understanding in the mighty name of Jesus. And help us to see, oh God. Help us to see, oh God, where we have erred. Help us to see. Sometimes the enemy will plant things in our hearts and you don't even know. Because you see, what goes with people to the places of grace rolls with them from the places of the grass. And sometimes it's become a part of us that we don't even know. We despise things we shouldn't despise. We don't understand and, and, re and reverence and respect the things that God has put in our lives. And my prayer today in the name of Jesus is that, Lord, I pray for an impartation of the spirit of wisdom. In the name of Jesus, it takes wisdom. The spirit of wisdom is not common sense. And that's why it's not common. It takes wisdom to see what you're doing today. And to be able to project into the future. And to see where the action you're taking today will lead you to. In such a way that you take steps that don't make sense. Is it only you? You are the boy boy. You are the girl girl. You are the one doing. You are the one. They have insulted you. Done this and done that. And done this and all of that. You're like, just leave me. Let me continue the journey I've started. 
I pray in the name of Jesus, the same spirit that, of wisdom that came upon Joshua, the son of Nun, because Moses, the Lord's servant, had laid hands on him. But the word that came forth today is an impartation that has already rested upon us. And so I leverage on that anointing today and I declare in the mighty name of Jesus that where that God will grant you insight, insight into your life, into your heart. God is not going to deal with it. You've got to deal with it, but he's going to open the eyes of your understanding. As Pastor May was preaching, you were seeing those areas because the word of God comes to reveal things. As she was speaking, I was seeing areas I needed to make correction. Oh, I was seeing areas I needed to go back and make correction. I said, Lord, I need this message. This is just the word. And that's why God made me come here today to sit under administration so that I could be corrected and rebuked and I could be put in line. Because where God is taking us to is too far that we can't afford to mess it up. And so I declare in the name of Jesus, the grace of God. The grace of God. The anointing that removes burdens and destroys yokes and fixes situations and releases destinies. That every destiny that has been truncated by wrong attitude, a wrong mindset, joy that has left no more excitement for the things you were excited about. I declare, let the anointing remove those burdens. Let the anointing destroy those yokes. In the name of Jesus. Be set free. In the name of Jesus. Be free. In the name of Jesus. Be free. In the name of Jesus. One last thing that Pastor Shala has asked me to do is to pray for women in this place. Where are the women? Especially the women that have a calling to ministry. I want you to lift up your hands wherever you are. Just one minute I'm going to pray and something is going to rest on you. Something is going to come on you that will change and reset and activate and release the gifts, the callings, the anointings within you. Paul said, I long to see you that I may impart, activate, impart spiritual gifts can be given as you open up your hearts as you open up your hearts are you ready are you ready in the name of Jesus Lord I stir up every gift every grace every anointing that you have deposited within your women in this place
Let your vessels be unclogged to release a free flow of the anointing. A free flow of the anointing. A free flow of the anointing through you. In the name of Jesus. Come and receive it right now. The anointing for prayer. Receive it right now. The impartation. Establishment of the gift and the callings of God. Receive it right now. In the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Can we celebrate the Lord one more time? Glory be to God. Amen. Say, Pastor, may we love you. Come on, let's celebrate the Lord one more time. Glory be to God. We hope you were greatly blessed by today's message because God still has so much he wants to share with you. So stay connected every week to experience uplifting and life-changing moments in his presence.